Hey, it's John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and it's The Entrepreneurial You, the show for dedicated and passionate Caribbean entrepreneurs seeking daily inspiration, brought to you by author, speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur, Henneka Watkins-Porter. You must be prepared to ignite. This week on The Entrepreneurial You, John LaFood, CEO of Jamaican Teas and president of the Jamaica Manufacturers and Exporters Association, is our featured business leader. And in our Vox Talk, we ask, is entrepreneurship a calling or a necessity? Plus, short-form videos in digital marketing. Everyone's doing it. We tell you why in Trending Now. You're tuned into the Entrepreneurial You podcast with Henika Watkins-Porter, the Jamaican podcast queen, author, international speaker, coach, and entrepreneur. Since I launched this podcast in 2017, each week I have featured a global high-impact entrepreneur and leader to motivate, inspire, and educate you as you scale and grow your business. If you are new here, some of these guests have been Lisa Nichols, Richard Branson, John Lee Dumas, Paul Carrick Brunson, Seth Golding, etc. In 2022, I will continue to bring you the best and the brightest, but of course, I'm shifting things up a bit. I will be focusing more on game changers who are from the Caribbean and African diaspora. Additionally, I recently had a dream come true where I'm now hosting the TV edition of the Entrepreneurial You. Yay! This airs on Business Access TV, which is available in 14 Caribbean islands. I will also be sharing these episodes with you via this podcast. So as you will notice, The guests are the same ilk that you have grown accustomed to on the podcast, but they are mainly from Jamaica. You'll also notice that the TV edition has a different format with other elements included, which were formatted for a TV audience. So things like trending now, a vox pop, business tips, startup stories, and of course, the main interview. Those um, segments have been added to make it, you know, more robust and suited for TV. And I trust that this, although formatted for TV, will translate into a great audio experience for you. Please enjoy listening as much as I enjoy bringing them to you. The Entrepreneurial You podcast is sponsored by HennekaWatkinsPorter.com and the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Want to unleash the entrepreneur within you? Keep listening. And when you're through, please head over to HennekaWatkinsPorter.com for more episodes, blogs, and other useful content. Here's today's episode. But first, a quick word from the Jamaica Stock Exchange. We needed to raise capital. But our experience with local financial institutions was that they were cautious and slow to act, and interest rates were far too high. We had real concerns about financing our business through outside equity investors and the possibility of interference. Could we get a fair valuation for our business? We had our own ideas about the business and its value. Should I go the traditional route of bank financing, 
or should I try the Jamaica Stock Exchange? So we made a call and experienced transformation of our business through conversations. I'm John Mafood, CEO of Jamaican Teas, and we're listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Give us a call today at 876-967-3271 to begin your transformation through conversation. We want to see your company listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. It's time to unleash the entrepreneurial spirit in you. Time to take that step towards leading and excelling in life and business. Whether you're starting with an idea or you're looking to scale up, there's something here for everyone. So follow me on this journey of unleashing and celebrating the entrepreneur in this week on The Entrepreneurial You, John Mafood, CEO of Jamaican Teas and president of the Jamaica Manufacturers and Exporters Association, is our featured business leader. And in our Vox Pop, we ask, is entrepreneurship a calling or a necessity? Plus, short-form videos in digital marketing. Everyone's doing it. We tell you why in Trending Now. He's a man of inspiring principle, determination, and composed appearance. John Mafood is a certified public accountant and an experienced business leader who was introduced to the mechanics of the field from as early as he could remember. Most of his early years were spent cultivating his leadership skills by working in the family business, guided by his dad, Adib Mafood. Before taking over as CEO of Jamaican Teas, John had already developed a track record of high performance and professionalism with companies such as Grace Kennedy and Price Waterhouse Coopers. At the helm of JTL, John has been instrumental in the company's listing on the Jamaica Stock Exchange and expansion to become the largest producer of teas in the Caribbean with almost one half of its products exported. His ability to sustain such ambitious business models over the decades no doubt has influenced him being selected as president of the Jamaica Manufacturers and Exporters Association for the term 2021-2022. We talk business affairs and so much more today on The Entrepreneurial You with John Mafood. He's from a family of exceptional executives who've helped to service Jamaica's economic growth spanning decades across varying sectors. He's an expert in the business of manufacturing and a leader who's quite vocal on government affairs as much as he is on commercial dealings. My very successful guest today is the calm and collected Chief Executive Officer of Jamaican Teas, John Mafood. Hey, John, it's such a pleasure to have you on The Entrepreneurial You. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And, you know, you're always doing these government interview, these interviews talking about what's happening on the Jamaican landscape, just like the one I overheard this morning in your office. That's and right. I also want to share with you that every single week you appear on my podcast, and I bet you didn't know that. I didn't know that. So the Jamaica Stock Exchange sponsors the uh, podcast. 
and you did one of the ads that they have. So, yeah. Good to know. <laughs> Good Thank to know. You. So let's get into business. What was it like growing up in a family with a history of business leaders? Well, you know, growing up, um, you know, you, you sort of um, just assume that whatever we're, whatever family you're in or however things are, that's normal, mm-hmm. you know. So my, um, my, my father uh, wasn't a big businessman, but, but um, he would come home, he would um, work hard um, and um, talk a little bit about his experience at work and so on. And I saw him progress and, and uh, do different things and try different areas of business. And it was interesting, um, but importantly, uh, he brought me into the business at a very young age because he felt that um, idle hands caused problems, mm-hmm. you know. Let's talk about bravery. How important is bravery uh, to being in entrepreneurship and, you know, to being a successful business leader? And in what ways have that manifested in your journey? Well, um, I don't know whether bravery is is the, the key ingredient. I think there are other key ingredients. Um, and I think the most important one is to not be deterred if you don't have an answer. Um, if there is a problem uh, that comes up that stops your idea from being implemented is to pursue that um, solution to as far as you can and never give up. So what would you say to persons who perhaps are listening, watching, and they're thinking, oh, you've had it made because, you know, your family was into business. Um, you had it all made up for you. You didn't have to work very hard. Yeah. Persons would say that. What would you say to them? Well, um, I would say to you that um, um, my father and my, my mother thought what they could give to me was an education. And I was very fortunate in, not o- in having not only a good family values, but an education that took me um, to a point where I could then be on my own. Uh, in my case, um, I, I did not, wasn't a very good student. And, and in fact, um, tried um, going to UTech for a year and didn't perform very well. And um, went to, to England as a apprentice in an accounting firm. So from the age of 19, when I left home, I was on my own and self-supporting, but I had the foundation. And it was way later after working in different companies that, um, you know, that I could look back and say, that's really what the most important thing is. I didn't go into my family business uh, because of that sense that you want to do something for yourself. Mm-hmm. So, so to me, um, when people look at what creates success, um, whether you are from a wealthy family or not, it's really what they give to you in terms of how you view life, how, what are your values, how uh, confident you are of your ability mm-hmm. and that that um, issue of never saying no, uh, not making excuses, that mm-hmm. determines success. Right. So actually, you building on that foundation that was laid for you. How has business, the business landscape, changed since you were involved in your family business 
at the age of 13, you know, very early, to now? How has that changed? At 13, or, or even in my early um, career, um, I saw, well, first of all, obviously technology has changed. So um, it, it's instantaneous and, um, and it's a lot more, a lot more is expected of you today than in the past. And I, and I think the other thing was, especially in Jamaica, not so much overseas, we tended to be a little more laid back um, I found when I, when I had my first job in Jamaica in 85, the companies were pretty inefficient. They had a huge staff complement. Uh, they weren't making a lot of money, but they were satisfied. Uh, and, and most of those companies that were in 85 or in the 80s don't exist anymore in Jamaica, or they have changed hands. So quite interesting. Infrastructural landscape, among other things. It's time to take our first break. Please stay with us. Lots more from this discussion with business leader, John Mafood. Welcome back to the Entrepreneurial You. With me today is the CEO of Jamaican Teas and President of the Jamaica Manufacturers and Exporters Association, John Mafood. Yes, John. So interesting conversation that we've been having thus far. I want to get a sense from you. What really fuels success in the manufacturing industry? Because I take it it's not a, it's not a very easy industry to operate in. Well, there's two issues. There's one, of course, is manufacturing. Mm -hmm. and, and the other, of course, related to that is exporting. Um, and... The um, I would say to you, the, the uh, tradition in Jamaica has not been one of exporting. It has been mostly manufacturing um, for domestic mm -hmm. uh, market. And the, the issue is that our domestic market is relatively small. Although we have three million people, the, the per capita income is, is small. And so in terms of a company's ability to grow, and to be successful, um, it's very difficult in Jamaica to only be in manufacturing and only supply the Jamaican market. You will never get big. You will never be able to be really successful. And um, in fact, you know, one of the lessons that I learned in working in, in the US in accounting and in the UK is that uh, the companies that they consider small are uh, huge in Jamaica. You know, we, we, even our largest companies, are really small companies. Absolutely. And I think that our mistake is thinking if you work for a company in Jamaica, even a big company like Grace or a division of Grace, that you're working in a big company. And that's really unfortunate because they are truly small companies. So that means that you have to be very, very efficient that means that if you want to succeed and you have to go and sell your products either overseas or even to a, a large customer in Jamaica, you have to be humble as a manager and, or as an owner and say, listen, I'm trying to succeed. I might have had some success, 
but I need to go and, and show my customer, myself, why my product is good and why they should buy that product. And I think that we don't do that in Jamaica enough. You know, once you receive, achieve a certain level, you think you're, you've you arrived. Can, you have arrived and you can go and buy your big cars and your big house and so on. And um, th that's far from the truth. If that's how you think, you're not going to make it um, and you will forever be small. And as I said, the, um, one of the key things for exporting is that when you have to compete in the export market with other companies who make the same product you do, you become very efficient. You bring your costs down um, and you um, start to be able to ex expand your business because you're now expanding your sales to a bigger audience, a bigger population, much bigger than our Jamaican. So it, it takes a lot of hard work. It takes being efficient. Um, and it takes, to me, to really succeed, then you have to now go in the next step of exporting. Mm -hmm. So as far back as I can remember, right, Jamaica's had a trade deficit. I mean, over the last 10 years, I think last year of 3.34 billion, um, it has been the lowest it has ever been, but still a long way to go. So we're thinking, we're saying that export is the answer. But I have seen a lot of small manufacturers trying to get into exporting and for them it has been a challenge. How do we solve that problem? The, the issue is that um, Jamaica, for many, many reasons, is not an ideal place to have um, large manufacturing operations. Mm -hmm. If you think, for instance, of the U.S., which is a huge, rich country, 300 and odd million people, uh, they basically wiped out a big chunk of their manufacturing and sent it to China mm -hmm. and to Vietnam and other places where the cost is much lower. So outsourcing production. So they actually, um, as big as they are, found it convenient to fi find a cheap manufacturing. And, you know, China has a billion people. Uh, and so the, um, the problem in Jamaica is it's a small local population. Mm -hmm. So if a factory comes here, you can't rely on the domestic market. It has to, to be for re-export. Uh, the, the security costs are very high. The electricity costs are the highest in the region, mm -hmm. and uh, and um, uh, gas prices are the highest in the region. So it's not a good base for manufacturers to come to Jamaica. And we have to look back at the fact that um, in the eighties, the seventies, manufacturing used to be much more, much bigger. It used to be twenty percent of our economy. Mm -hmm. Today, it's eight percent because the, the environment that we are in and the political environment has destroyed most of the manufacturers. What is left are relatively small manufacturers who make food items, who make sauces, mm -hmm. um, some furniture, uh, some bedding. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we are at a very low base in terms of our ability to export and grow. And I don't personally think that that is where um, that prob that issue you talk about of um, the, the negative trade balance is ever going to be solved by manufacturing. Mm -hmm. We have natural um, 
resources? Natural, well, when I say natural resources, tourism mm -hmm. is really a great potential for us. Um, when, uh, when I look at my, my daughter was a nurse in Hawaii, smaller country than us, much smaller population. They have 10 million tourists. Uh, but those 10 million tourists travel all throughout the country. They, 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 they consume all the local foods. They interact with the people. They feel safe. We have uh, far less tourists and they're basically uh, locked up in all inclusives. And, and so we need to focus on how we get our tourism up. And if our tourism sector grows, it will also require manufacturing inputs from other manufacturers in Jamaica. And we'll have a natural growth also of manufacturers. So the while manufacturing won't solve that, that dilemma, it will contribute to improving or reducing the deficit and, and tourism also as another pillar will help grow Jamaica. So then all isn't lost, huh? There is still hope. There's still hope. <laughs> we continue our conversations with John LaFood on the other side of this break. We soon come back. Welcome back. John Mafood, our business leader in focus today. Thanks again for joining us. So what's it like for your company operating during this pandemic, um, John? Well, let's see. When we look back, uh, we started to hear about the pandemic. Was it in late 2019? Right, correct. And then uh, we got the first case in, in March. Our March 2020. So I remember basically at the end of 2019 um, hearing about it. At that time, we were looking to acquire, um, to expand the factory and acquire a building uh, on Spanish Town Road, looking to invest about 5 million US. And we were just about to sign the agreement. And I said, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen with this pandemic. Better to... Um, be cautious and give up this opportunity. And, and we did that. And then when we actually started in March to see cases and so on, and there was a, a major um, uncertainty that took place. I, I recall the, um, the first big case with the um, call center mm -hmm. um, taking place and the government saying that they have to lock down and, um, and, and yet at the same time when Alorica was the call center, that even though many, many of the uh, employees had um, been exposed to the, the, um, the virus, uh, they set up a testing uh, and asked those employees to come by public transport. And then they had them standing around all day. I said, but hold on, we're not so well prepared for this. What's going to happen? with this virus in Jamaica. And I started to think about the possibilities of us having to shut down the factory and send everybody home because that was the environment that we were in, in terms of the panic. And I said, how can we afford to uh, pay our staff for the next six months if that's how bad it was, you know? And, and so we looked at our, um, our resources or what we had and I, 
came up with a plan to be able to stay uh, to shut the business, but stay in, but 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 be able to continue to pay our employees so they could live and and so on and weather weather the the storm, and um, we then <clears throat> went through it. A lot of our staff had gotten um, uh, had had gotten the virus. We had up to maybe ten or, or eleven people away from from work. Uh, and so we had to put in place measures to protect the, the rest of the staff. We also um, uh, paid the staff who had the uh, virus to stay home. Uh, we told anybody who had suspected we would pay them to stay home so that nobody felt they had to hide the fact that they had it. And uh, as you know, eventually um, the vaccination came in. But during that time, we continued to operate. We brought our staff to work and took them home in, in a, you know, in a private transportation. And we, we focused on keeping the business safe and the people safe and rode it out. Uh, and of course, that then changed in terms economically because uh, there was a much bigger demand for our products, especially on the export market. So in 2020, uh, we did well. And in 2021, we did well. And then after that, we started the vaccination program for our staff voluntarily. And we had uh, close to 90% uh, of the staff have been vaccinated. So we learned how to do things differently. Uh, we learned how to be more efficient, to cut costs where we could. Uh, and I am also glad to see that uh, this happened throughout the industry, not just with manufacturers, but with distributors and other companies who, uh, looked for, who were really facing the prospect of not surviving and really uh, revamped their businesses and cut their, their expenses and there are many examples of that happening to where in 2021, we saw companies making more money with less sales. And so that I thought was a very good um, result of the pandemic. You're forced, when you, in this situation, companies were forced to survive. Mm -hmm. Of course, some companies didn't survive, but those that did are stronger today. And okay. as, as we go into the future, they will do better. Right. So, I mean, you kind of respond to what I want to ask um, next. But we're in the hat of the president of the Jamaica Manufacturers and Exporters Association. Your company is relatively one of the bigger uh, manufacturing companies, right? Um, there are some that are not as big. Mm -hmm. And again, it's relative. How, how are they faring in your mind from where you sit? Well, based on the surveys that we have done with our members, uh, they, they have been very significantly impacted, mm -hmm. uh, especially the smaller members. Um, as as um, people switch their buying habits, um, it impacted a, a lot of our members. Um, and some didn't survive. Um, and, and we tried to help them in terms of... Um, um, giving them ideas about cost savings. We, we help them to advise them on how to deal with the vaccination of staff, mm -hmm. how to communicate with them and, and things like that. So it's, it's been tough um, and it's been tough on all of Jamaica, but 
as I say, at the end of the day, I see some differences taking place. I see, for instance, um, companies now saying, and this is one of the results of, of COVID, is the high shipping costs that has taken place. It now costs $18,000 to bring a container from the Far East. It used to be $2,000. So um, a, a good example would be, say, bus furniture, mm-hmm. where they make furniture and mattresses and bedding. They have actually been able to export now and compete against the Far East because the shipping cost within the Caribbean is only $1,500 to $2,000. So what, that additional cost of freight has mm-hmm. allowed them to be, con- to be competitive. And that will spell um, a good opportunity for Jamaican manufacturers going forward if they can capitalize on it. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing that has happened as a result of COVID is people are buying online like never before. And, uh, and so small manufacturers in Jamaica who don't have access to exporting uh, to, to far countries can actually sell online, whether it is a local uh, online company or Amazon or a Walmart. And I think this is a very big opportunity for small Jamaican companies to expand their sales. More on the entrepreneurial you. Welcome back to our conversation with CEO of Jamaican Teas, John Mafood. So, interesting insights you've been sharing with me. I appreciate your wealth of knowledge as it relates to the manufacturing industry and all of that and your experience, you know, as a business leader. So, thank you. So, you mentioned earlier when I asked you about, you know, being bold and all of that, and you told me what your, one of the things that you, you think is necessary for success, right, is uh, determination. But outside of that, is there a particular recipe that you think we all need to put together certain ingredients in order to be successful? And what would that recipe be? Well, when I think of, um, you know, young persons entering the business world and, and, and my situation as an example, most of us who join, who, who start out working, probably do it by accident. And they don't have a specific plan and they go into a particular field, they go into a particular employer, uh, and they find that it's not what they want. That's not what makes them happy. Mm-hmm. And they stick to it because um, they're, they're afraid that if they leave, they, they might not get another job or um, they're earning enough that they can pay a mortgage or a rent and what happens when they don't have that. Uh, job and so we we tend to stay in jobs or or situations that we're not happy with, and when you're not happy with the job uh, and you're afraid to make a change because uncertainty I think is the biggest hindrance to to success and I experience that a lot. Um, you know the unknown. What do you do? Do you make a change from something that is not ideal or you're not happy with, but that you don't know what will happen, you know, uh, if you step out? Uh, and so I really say that people to have a 
a good and happy life, they need to do things that make them happy. And to be brave enough to make that change and know that there's a saying that everything happens for a reason. And that saying comes about because everything works out eventually, even death, whatever the situation is, uncertainty normally gets um, resolved. And I have found that in every case that I have changed or people have changed, my situation uh, works out for better. So let's talk about resources that you've used over the years, um, John, to build your business. Mm -hmm. What would some of those resources be? They could be, um, you know, from a management perspective, they can be from a technological perspective, but just resources that you've, you know, used and you found that they've been really great tools. Well, when I think back of some of the, the, the negative experiences um, uh, I have had and what I've learned from them, you know, for instance, uh, what the first job I had in Jamaica was at T. Geddes Grant, uh, which has since gone out of business and sold out. Um, it was in the um, late 80s, uh, sorry, late 80s going into the early 90s when our... Um, interest rates in Jamaica were upwards of 100%. Um, and the, the debt, the interest expense of the company at the time that I was managing was $8 million a month. This was back in early 90s. And the company folded because it was reliant on debt mm -hmm. and didn't have its own cash resources. Uh, so that also said to me, we have to be careful when we run businesses, that sometimes unforeseen things are going to happen, whether it is like um, this situation where the interest rates are very high, whether the dollar is devaluing at a high rate, whether COVID comes. Um, I, I also went, uh, after I left Grace, I tried to acquire a business and I found that um, the banks were not ready to lend me the money because um, I didn't have a lot of resources. I didn't have a lot of assets. And so um, what that told me again is that if you're going to be successful in a business, you have to build up your resources to protect that business when times are hard, you know. And um, so we, we went public uh, in 2010 okay. and raised capital. Uh, I didn't have to borrow. Uh, any money from the bank. That's what your ad say on the on the on my podcast. Anyway, go ahead. I didn't have to borrow <laughs> any money from the bank, and we were able to grow at a, at a rapid rate. Mm -hmm. So I, I also learned that um, going onto the junior stock exchange has been a tremendous um, benefit for companies who go on, not just because they raise capital. But when you are in the public eye, when you have to go to an AGM and meet your shareholders, mm -hmm. you're not going to be happy going there, and they're not going to be happy if you don't produce. And so, so it even though you. you're right, so <laughs> even though you might be the majority shareholder, you have to step up your efforts because you're under the scrutiny of the shareholders. The resources would have been um, building up your capital as well as, you know, well, listing on the stuff having people And having people around you right. who you respect and who can speak to you and give you advice. Absolutely. What do you want to be remembered for? Well, 
when I think of the friends uh, and acquaintances who have passed away, you know, um, most of them have not been, you know, very, very wealthy, um, but they have been good people. They have been kind people. They have been people who cons uh, consider others, um, who are fun people, who make you smile when you think of them. And... Um, who maybe make life a little better mm -hmm. for their friends and relatives. Um, and and uh, that's all I, I, I can think of for myself because within, um, you, you know, after you die and your children die, then you're forgotten. So just try to make a positive difference uh, for the people around you so you feel as if the world is a little, little better because mm -hmm. you were there. Well, I guess you're on your way because you've made me smile a few times today. Stick around for our Vox Pop Trending Now feature and business startup story. The Entrepreneurial You, Voice of the People. It's a given, it's a choice, a given urge. Maybe for some people, you know, a lot of people, they grow up with business minds. So um, for them, it would just be something that they always wanted to pursue. But for some people, they don't really have the choice. So they have to pursue it. I would say both. For some people, it's a choice because they can't do anything else. They want to start something for themselves. And for some, it's just an urge. You just know you have to do this. It's a choice. It's a choice. 90% of the time, it's a choice. I think it's a choice. Short form videos, they are ruling supreme among digital marketing strategies and facilitators, advertisers and consumers alike all want to capitalize on its reign, at least while it's a hot topic. Video marketing isn't that new. It became mainstream around 2020, offering biteable content used to drive sales, create engagement and raise awareness among other things. Shorts, on the other hand, in particular, those influenced by social media usage emerged fairly recently, around 2020. Whether they are created to publicize a big business campaign or promote a do-it-yourself home video, the value of Shorts is undeniable. In many cases, it's a free app feature that's easily accessible. It gives people quick and easy ways to consume information and since people tend to share video at twice the rate of any other medium, it's one of the sure ways to get good return on investments. So what are the top short form video platforms available for free and what are some benefits of using them? Asking for a friend, you say? Well, we've got you and your friends covered. If you're not leading a large budget marketing activity that requires professional video production, you might want to consider using a few of these. TikTok, the trend setter of short form videos on social media. Not only are users enamored by features that allow the use of graphics, music, and imported media, 
packed in an easy to edit recording, but also brands have access to a creative space filled with an audience of millions around the world eager to explore and express creativity like never before. All most brands have to do is start a challenge that is highly likely to create a buzz around the product or service. Instagram Reel Instagram Reel was launched in August 2020 as a challenge to TikTok but ascended in popularity when India and the USA banned the use of TikTok in their countries which left former users turning to Instagram for a substitution that gave them the opportunity to churn out 15 to 30 second videos highlighting pretty much anything like TikTok, Reels on Instagram autoplay one after another and is giving dreamers and celebrities both a massive opportunity to earn from the creative showcase of talent and rotation of music on the platform. Snapchat Spotlight was also created to rival TikTok. It features short videos in a continuous loop that users can use to advertise as well as get monetary incentives for videos with a high number of views. In February 2021 alone, over 124 million Snapchat users watched Spotlight videos, so the chances of being seen are quite decent. So, the next time you think about short-form videos, think about taking advantage of any one of these to help widen your audience reach and maximize profits. And now, this week's business startup feature. My name is Kadeen Gray, Creative Director of Kadeen Gray Art and Kadeen Gray Apparel. These two businesses come under one umbrella called Kadeen Gray. Now the business focuses on creative inspirational art pieces and a faith-based clothing line that is inspired by my own journey through um, depression and anxiety. Having to move from a feeling of despair, a feeling of doubt, a feeling of fear to one of joy, contentment, hope, and peace. And I believe that my own journey is an inspiration to others and I wanted to share that because there are so many other persons who have gone through or are going through these similar situations and I wanted to remind them that hey you are enough and you are loved and you're okay just to remind them of how God sees them. The most rewarding thing about my business is being able to inspire all the persons who would have purchased my pieces or even just hearing from other people how inspired they are about what I do and why I do it and how I was able to come forth and be brave enough to speak about my own experience through depression. I was able to turn something that was see, seemingly um, dreadful into something that was hopeful. So I, I really appreciate that. The most challenging part of being a business owner or being an entrepreneur is being a boss for myself. I have to keep myself accountable. I have to be consistent. I have to try to be ahead of um, the curve. And so that is the most challenging thing for me to do because, you know, we've always been taught to 
be the follower and not necessarily the leader. So no, I have to be a boss of my own self and for the persons who work with me. Um, so that is probably the most challenging, um, staying consistent, being in charge of myself, staying accountable, but I'm working on it. <laughs> My dream for my business, I have so many dreams for my business. I do currently have, you know, quite a few collections for both the art and for the apparel. And I also have journals that I sell in Fontana. So I do hope that we will continue to grow. I want to be able to move from an online base to have stores island-wide where people can come in, purchase pieces, and um, there's a lot more that I have in store. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm just looking at what the the potential of this business is and I have absolutely no limits because I am led by the voice of God and if God decides that you know I'm gonna move you to another country in the Caribbean I am open to it so that is my dream being open to whatever the, whatever it is that God has in store. We have more insights to share from John Mifood on the other side of this break. Stay with us. The Entrepreneurial You will be right back. Welcome back to The Entrepreneurial You. John, if ever a time or mental health is being challenged, it is now. How should business leaders and their team, you know, deal with the situation at this time? Well... Obviously, from all around the world, we know that being isolated is, first of all, number very, very hard. The uncertainty of uh, what COVID creates is very hard. The deaths of family members is very hard. And I have observed in my own company a number of people who, um, young people who are stressed out and exhibit different things, whether it is chest pains or severe headaches. And, um, and then I also hear about um, students who are locked up at home and university students um, who are expected to perform but are not interacting with, with other people, um, experiencing really bad um, mental problems. And um, mental uh, problems in a business environment um, is hard to deal with because a um, person is not performing, maybe they're absent from work, um, and it's easier uh, unless you are really in tune with your staff or you have a good HR department to say, well, this person is a non-performer. And, and, and abandon them, you know, when the reality is that they're suffering very badly. Um, so it, it's important that we recognize that. Uh, we in Jamaica don't like to talk about it. Um, and we don't like to know that our family members have mental problems. Um, so we try to, at least here in this company, we have um, professionals and, and psychologists who uh, we refer our staff to and give them the opportunity to talk to professionals and help with the financial side of it. 
and um, you know um, I I also have suffered from depression and, and take medication for it and I'm surprised sometimes in the old days when you actually went to see the psychologist to see people you know and, and who are successful so it, it affects everybody and we need to be sensitive to that right and to show compassion and I'm glad you were able to you know openly share that you know because so many of us struggle with mental challenges I myself struggle with that you know and we're now creating a space so that we can talk about it candidly, just as we will talk about, oh, we have a, you know, a heart challenge or head challenge, whatever the challenge may be. We can talk about the things that are affecting us mentally because um, it's a part of us that needs to be uh, protected, you know, in as much as we preserve or try to preserve other areas and other parts of us. So right. thank you for that. Um, that's very commendable. Let's talk about the, the COVID-19 and the vaccine mandate or not. Should there mm -hmm. be one? It's up to companies uh, individually to make the strongest effort that they can to get their employees to understand the importance of vaccinations and um, to put that environment in place where they can be vaccinated. So like in our case, um, we had many, many meetings with our staff. We brought in professionals to explain to them why it's important, not only for themselves, but for their family members and, and of course, for their, co their fellow employees. And um, when you experience the death, as, as we have in this company, of one of your staff dying... Condolences, um, by the way. It reaches home. Um, so we made it easy for our staff to get tested. We test them regularly. Well, not regularly, every, every few months. And um, we also um, send them. There is a private sector initiative where you can go and get the vaccination without waiting. Um, you just, but you have to pay for it. So we have paid for our staff to get vaccinated and we encourage them, and um, we have gotten to this high level. So it's possible, but um, the government also needs to lead and to do a better job, number one, of making vaccinations available. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the, the government said they were going to have 65% of our, our population vaccinated by March, and we are at 21 or 22 percent, so they have failed. And they, it's easy to blame people and say they're vaccine hesitant, uh, and, and that is true. But you also have to have the, the, the vaccine sites that are convenient for people, and um, you have to take the leadership role. And the government is the biggest employer, and I personally believe that they should mandate that public sector workers be vaccinated um, and, and send that message to the private sector. Because right now, most there's been about three or four private sector companies that have made it mandatory and they've been taken to court. I think only Grace Kennedy recently made it mandatory, but they haven't been taken to court. But if the, if the government is not sending the signal that it's important and that they're going to do it with their employees, then the private sector is not going to take that risk. Leadership is more about what you do than what you say. Correct. Mm -hmm.
I think one of the things, though, Hedek, uh, and you can tell me what you believe as well, but I think a lot of people just have negative perceptions of entrepreneurship. Many people think, okay, it's greedy, it's risky, why would you do that? It's not a good idea, you know? But the truth is, I think we really need to redefine what entrepreneurship is. And to me, entrepreneurship is about, as I said earlier, doing what you love, contributing in a way that makes a difference, in a way that's meaningful to us as individuals, but also at the same time, being able to take care of ourselves and thrive financially. It's, it's a whole package. And that to me is a, a strong definition of success. It's not necessarily that we want to create all entrepreneurs, but entrepreneurial thinking is so important today. And it, regardless of what career path you choose, we need to think like all entrepreneurs. The questions that ought to be asked, the essential insights to be shared, and the empowerment that needs to be spread start right here on The Entrepreneurial You. Thanks so much to my guest, John Mafood, for spending time with me today. You may catch a replay of this conversation on The Entrepreneurial You podcast or on my YouTube channel in a few weeks. In the meantime, please follow The Entrepreneurial You podcast on your fave podcast app. And here's today's word of hope. Why should fools have money in hand to buy wisdom when they are not able to understand it? Proverbs 17 verse 16. Join us next week for another set of thought-provoking conversations with leaders, captivating features, and an opportunity to unleash the entrepreneurial spirit in you. Join us next week for another set of thought-provoking conversations with leaders, captivating features, and an opportunity to unleash the entrepreneurial spirit in you. Thank you so much for listening to the Entrepreneurial You podcast. I do hope to catch you next week. But until then, make sure that you visit HennekaWatkinsPorter.com where you can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you found value in the Entrepreneurial You, I'd appreciate if you leave a rate and review on Apple or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show and that would help me out a bit too. So you might also want to check out my ebook, How to Start a Podcast for Beginners. It's completely free. All you have to do is go to the, the website and just follow the instructions once the pop-up comes there and you'll be good to go. I want you to know that I'm available for podcast production, hosting and private coaching to conduct podcast workshops or simply to speak at your event. All you have to do is send me a message via the contact form or via WhatsApp, and I'll be happy to connect with you. Do take care.